0: Other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit. Uh, Question for you. How do you disciple somebody with emotional health coming into the church? Imagine this. Imagine having a family of five kids A husband and wife with a broken marriage. Uh, Two of the kids uh, have tried to commit suicide. One has been actually placed into uh, Lower Ridge, which is a place for mental health. Um, And here we come into the church. This is my family. How do you disciple them? And that's not including the stuff I was dealing with. I had no clue what it was to be a father. No clue what it was to be a husband. And I was struggling with my own emotional health, which was through post traumatic stress disorder from being in combat. And here we are, and we need discipleship. What do you do as a church? Well, that's what this study is. We were able to, I had the blessing of being able to go to the equip conference here in divine texas and teach i had two sessions and this will actually be broken up probably into four teachings because they gave us two full hour sessions and so you'll hear some of my testimony in this you'll hear some of the things that our church did as i came and our family came into the church some of the things that were suggested to us to do which was biblical counseling for our marriage and so it's I hope this helps you if you have your Bible we'll be actually in psalm twenty three and then we'll also be in Joshua chapter one, and so we'll go through this bit by bit piece by piece through the scripture as well so this is a teaching just f y i we will go verse by verse through the the book of Joshua chapter one verses one I think it's chapter one verses one through nine, if I remember right, but I hope that you enjoy this so the beginning of it, again, is me sharing a little bit about my testimony, our family's testimony, and as we're coming into the church, and, and just the reality of what people are dealing with, not only in the church, but also as they become new believers and come into the church, and how does a church disciple within that. And so that's what these teachings are. I hope that you enjoy them. This is Session 2, Part 2. Look up. I'm like, hey, doctors figured it out in 2009. I wasn't walking. I wasn't functioning. They thought I had cancer of the nerves. God didn't allow that. And, and so when we, when we look at these, one of the things that I love is, is, is that if I'm going to be strong and courageous, I'm not being strong and courageous of anything in this world, but God. All right. That's, that's the reality of it. It's, that's who we go to. verse seven, it says, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. You know, when you think about good success, nobody wants to be an unsuccessful parent or mother or father. We want to be successful, but we need the word of God to do that. We need, we need that safe guide. It's his word that allows us to do that. And and, and so for me, it's, it's in order to be obedient to God, I need to be in his word. He tells you the book of the law, you shall not depart from it from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Part of being someone who disciples somebody through any kind of emotional distress is that you need to be able to have a handle of the Word of God. You need to have the Word of God on your heart. In Psalm 63, verse 1, it says, O oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Psalm 63, verses 6 and 7. It says, When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, which is that three o'clock to six o'clock in the morning time, you for you have been my help in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. This is when David is running for his life. He writes that. He's like in the in the dark of night, I'm meditating on you. There are people trying to kill me, and I'm gonna meditate on God. And that's what he's getting at. It's like for us, the word of God is. Is if we have the temper that's going to try to tempt that young believer that comes into the church to choke that seed out of the word and pull them back into the world, we need to have the word of God. In First Thessalonians chapter two verse thirteen, it says, "For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of man." But as it is the truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. It's the word of God. It's, it's the word of God that we want. I know for me as a pastor, that's what I want. I tell people all the time, you can have as much God as you want. <clears throat> now, how much do you want? You can go to the hose, right? At the house, you can have that much or you can go to the fire hydrant. Which one do you want? But it's not just about being in the word of God. It's not about storing knowledge. It's actually about taking what you learn, being obedient to it, and applying it in your marriage, in your family, in your churches, and in your community. So you can't be somebody different. Oh, you're perfect here. But I catch you on 410, and you're laying your horn on, and you're like no you got be you got be the same person it's what the word of God does in our life The word of God is simply these things it's a it's a fire it's a sword it's a rock, it's a hammer it tells us that in jeremiah twenty three verse nine it says "Is is not my word like a fire says the Lord like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces it's the word of God that takes that hardened heart so from two thousand eight November the January 11th of 2009, I sat in those churches and that hammer was just chugging away at that hard heart, breaking it to pieces. That's what, that, that's what the Word of God does. It transforms lives. It's the greatest tool that you have in, in your toolbox. You have the Holy Spirit, you have the Word of God, you have the sword, you have everything that you need. In Hebrews chapter four, verses twelve, y'all know this verse very well. For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the joints and the marrow, and is the discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Remember that. So when you're when you're work when you're discipling somebody or you're with somebody, that's the word of God that discerns the thoughts and the intents of the heart, not you. Stop trying to fix people, right? We get in that habit of trying to fix people. So what do we need to do with the word of God? One of the things that you need to do as you're discipling somebody is do that. He tells you to meditate on it day and night. So first thing you have to do is read it. You have to read it. Not Dan reading it to you. You have to read it like you should be. What I love is I see people intentionally taking notes like they're taking notes. Like, that's the first thing I did. I didn't know anything about studying the word of God. I just was like, I prayed. I was sitting in church probably three months, four months. And I'm like, I'm not getting this, Lord. I prayed it on my service. I'm like, I'm not getting it. And then I looked over and I saw, well, they're taking notes. Lord hit me. (laughs) And so I started taking notes. I started taking all those extra scriptures that Joe would give. And I would go look those scriptures up. And that's how I started. And then I got a Bible that I could actually read. Somebody told me, hey, there are different versions of the Bible. That's what discipleship does. When you have somebody in the church, they don't know. And I'm like, well, you can get an NJKD N- 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 or NASD. I don't know none of that stuff is, man. Give me the what if, Just tell they what to buy. <laughs> right? Just tell me what to buy. Matthew 4, 4 says, but he answered, and it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Jeremiah 15, 16 says, your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and a delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. It's God's word that we should be digesting every day. As we read it, we should understand it. Context is king, okay? I don't want to hear how you feel about description because you didn't write it from God's. It's God breathed. What is the context? Who is he writing to? What is the audience? Context is king. When you're teaching somebody in discipleship, when they're going through stuff, they may not get all of that, but that's your job to help them understand that. Every little time that you get to spend with them, every time that they're just taking everything in, Understand, we're like sponges. Me and my wife, we were just taking it in. Like whatever, okay, well, we'll try that. Let's do that. Okay, that's, well, we'll, we'll listen to that guy. We'll listen to that person on the radio. I, I can listen to him. Okay, I'll check him out. It's like you start understanding it and you start using God and, and you use God in those difficult times. In those times when it gets really tough. And then you absorb and apply it. In James chapter 1, verses 22-25, it says, Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For anyone who is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he's like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, the word of God, and persevere as being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. It's like you're actually doing it. And then you're thinking about it day and night. Ephesians chapter six, verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You're actually supposed to put the helmet of salvation on every day, right? That's, That's part of it. The armor of God. Some of you may not even know where your armor is. Like in the military, that's not a good thing. When the sergeant made you he has your weapon, you're in trouble. So you have the word of God. You, you're supposed to use it. And, and don't tell me that you're too busy because God would never give you a schedule that's too busy to exclude him. Busy is simply the acronym for busy is being under Satan's yoke. So maybe something needs to come off your plate. Okay? Lastly, we see in verse nine it says, "I have not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Faith starts with that first step, and i'm I'm speaking on this as I tell you i I have actually stepped on a my <laughs> with engineers, so uh, you know they have a wonderful name for a, I think it's the m one fifty seven something." And it's a probing stick for a mine. It's just a stick. You could get one out in the yard. That's basically what you're doing. And you're just doing like this, looking for the little battery that's sticking up. And I can tell you, I know exactly what that scripture says about taking that step that fear, Because let me tell you, you don't want to move. So our major lines to follow up. We got to find out, make sure this is clear. And let's go. I didn't move for 15 minutes. Me, Lavelle, Kelsey Moore, we were knuckleheads. So our major calls out, you, you had been in Vietnam. He was like, you was not playing. It's like, y'all need to move. By the time we did that, they started finding minds. So when we do take these steps, and, and let me tell you something, it is, y'all need to understand, when somebody's coming into your church the first time, it's very fearful for them. The love that you present, look, you you got to get this. And I, I hope all of you get this. You cannot expect them to be cleaned up. The moment here. Okay. This is where the church is kind of we're we're missing this. I I met a guy at the at the the food pantry this week, and he's on the edge of eternity. He's dying. His his dialysis is it's coming to an end, and he didn't know Christ. So they called me and they were like, "Mike, we need a Bible. Can you come pray with him? I was like, "Sure." That's the other thing I do, and I would encourage you to do that too. Is I give these things away. Every time you bring somebody to faith, you pray for somebody, you say, "Here, take this." And in there, on every Bible, I got something written that says, "This this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book." And it has the church information and phone number on them. And I gave it to him. I said, "James, here you go." He gave he gave his life to Christ. So James goes, "Mike, I want to come to church, but I got a girlfriend." I'm like, hey, girl, just come bring her. Because she needs to come to pay, too. That's right. We've had three, two, three. We've had three people that have come in, not married, got married. Mm -hmm. God did that, not us. So you don't get in. You don't wash your feet before you get in the shower. You just get in the shower. Right? So there's a lot of fear when somebody comes in. There's a lot of fear when you go to disciple somebody. Because they're... Dr. Spivey said it's so good last year. Remember he said how you're not just talking to that one person. You're talking to him because he has his family experience. He has the work experience. You have the church experience. Or you have, you're talking to all those people. And so when, when you see that, it's just a reminder that that first step into the church is going to be hard. And and it's all about the attitude. It's all about, I think Chuck Swindoll said it best. He says, I'm convinced that life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And it's so with you, we are charged of our attitudes. It's all in our attitudes. Are you going to grow or are you going to grumble? I grumbled for a long time. I was dealing with a lot of old baggage. And God brings that stuff up. <laughs> and and whoever's discipling you, that's who you're talking to. My mom sent me a baseball. A baseball from when I was a kid. And it destroyed me. I had a home run with that baseball. And nobody saw it. And I hated baseball. I would blame the glove. I would blame my brothers for good. My brothers both had scholarships <laughs> to play baseball. One for university in North Carolina. The other one for Baptist College in Charleston. They were really good at baseball. You know when you're not that good. And I would blame everything else, but it was my attitude. That one little baseball messed me up. But then my grandson started throwing it. And he threw it without any care in the world. Even grandma's self-denial. <laughs> but do you understand what I'm saying now? That that I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me. And 90% how I react to it. And that's who you're going to be discipling. And think about it. You're going to have all of that emotional baggage. We just talked about Gen Z. And the next generation, I know it's Generation Alpha that's coming up. That'll be in the next. And, and they're going to be dealing with even more stuff. They said Generation Alpha will probably be the most medicated and most mental health generation. And that is the Kobe Generations. That is the ones that were affected by the schools closing, by the churches closing. And so all that stuff affected it. So we finish up with this. and And one of the things we can't do is we cannot shrink back from obeying God. Just remember that the Lord is near you. You're not alone. You may feel alone. But if you know somebody that's going through something, if they don't show up on your church on Sunday, somebody needs to check on them. If it's been a week, two weeks, just say, hey, are you okay? Well, that's the pastor's showing. No, it's all of our jobs. It's not that you're being nosy or whatever. You just say, hey, are you okay? No, y'all gave me flu A. You know, but to Abraham, God said, do not be afraid. I am your shield, your very great reward in Genesis 15, 1. When Isaac was expelled from the land and the Philistines and forced to move from place to place, God appeared to him and reminded him, do not be afraid, for I am with you in Genesis twenty six twenty four, When David fell into adultery, God was with him. God saved him, redeemed him. When Elijah had his lack of faith and was ready to, to be done with this world, God spoke to him in the quietness. Do y'all understand like god spoke to him in that small quiet place but all that noise that he do by, and he still spoke to him and be. so sometimes you don't have to say anything it's just like you know, God, sometimes to that Almost will speak of that person so you're just there yeah and so joshua i love joshua because you know there's simple applications that we need to do in our lives which is when you're discipling somebody, you need God's word, and you need to to not fear. You have His sustaining power, so He tells you, "Be strong and courageous." Be strong and courageous, and remember, you're not stepping from a place of victim. You need to let that person know you're not a you're 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 stepping into victory now. You're a child of God. That's the one thing that I would share with y'all. Just remember, you you have a mission that god has put you on and that is to be somebody who disciples and guess what you should be discipled by somebody so you need to ask that question and that book that you have is a great thing that should be done when you go with need people for those moments when we talk about the community and the breaking on the bread fellowship prayer and word of god there's steps that you can follow in now and the fight will shut do that and just remember, sometimes when you're coming into it, you're going to be dealing with some heavy stuff. If it's too much, put the white flag up. Get a hold of your pastoral team you, and bring them alongside so they can help you. Or get with one of i man, y'all, get, y'all got to get this. Those that are over the age of 60, they have a wisdom that you cannot bring them with you. You may have a young mom who's in her 20s or 30s and you don't want you. God is not done with them until he calls them home and there's still a service in the church that they can do. Doesn't matter the age. There's a wisdom that's there that needs to be used. And I know I've talked way really too much I'm gonna we'll pray for y'all.